Hello and welcome to We'd Rather Be Travelling. But instead we're making this podcast. I'm Stu Wright. And he's joined by Paul Marshall. And on today's episode we're going to be talking about one of the four remaining communist states in the world. Not Cuba, not Vietnam, nor China, but... North Korea? No, is that oh, so we, close. Yeah. So we're going to miss. It's the, uh, the Lao People's Democratic Republic. That's the one. All right. So as a way of a background, uh, I've never been to the Lao People's Democratic Republic, but have you, Paul? I have. I've been multiple times. Excellent. Well, that's going to mean that you're going to do a lot of the heavy lifting in this episode, but fortunately, one of us has been. Fantastic. All right. Um, so first things first, and I feel like this is a very important thing to establish before we really get into the country. Yeah. But how do you personally pronounce both the country and the nationality of the people of the country we're talking about today? Okay, so this is an interesting little thing, but the country is called the Lao People's Democratic Republic. So that's the official long name in the, the official same way name. that it's so like, the LLP, LPDR. In the same way that it's like the Democratic People's Republic of China yes. or Congo or etc. Yeah, etc. Now, where the Laos comes from yeah. is actually the French. So, well, and then this is to the best of my knowledge. So, yeah. When the French came to Laos, they saw all these different tribes and descri- yep. described them as less Laos. Okay. Yes. Rather than just Lao. Yeah. And so basically they started calling the country Laos, whereas yep. the Lao people refer to it as Lao. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So the people are called Lao. The country is technically called Lao, but Laos is also fine because that's yes. what we understand of it in Western culture. Yeah. Uh, and then you can also call the people Laotian if you want. Yes. Okay. So it's exactly my understanding. Uh, I did in my little bit of research about the pronunciation. Uh, I was kind of informed that when you were speaking about the country in the English language, the country's name should rhyme with mouse. So Laos would be, of course, then what you're looking for when you're talking about the country. Laotian yeah. for the nationality as well as you know the way to describe cuisine, etc. Yeah. So we'll stick with that for the episode. And you know, you hear whenever you go traveling, you hear people always kind of chop and change between Lao and Laos and. Yeah. It, it reminded me when we were going to, when we did, went to Myanmar and yeah. we were asking, what do we call people from Myanmar? And Mark, yeah. our, the, our driver at the time, just said Myanmar. Yes. That's a, a similar thing, I feel. Very much so. Yeah. All right. Okay. So to begin with, Paul, I have some trivia about Laos lined up for you. Amazing. Okay. So. Oh, God. <laughs> we've got four questions. Um, I hope, I've, hopefully, I'll get over 50%. Uh, I feel like some of these you will have come across at some point in time. When okay. you, oh, actually, how... Just quickly tell us about your trips to Laos. How many times have you been there? Okay, I've been four times. Uh, two of those times were on the same trip, though. It was okay. just three months apart. So I went in January 2009, then I went again in November 2010. Then three months later on the same trip, after spending a bunch of time in Thailand, I returned to Laos with a new group of friends in January 2011. And then recently I was there in October, November of 2018. Okay, great. Well, I think... There's a good chance you would have come across all this trivia at some point in time. Okay. But whether you can re- you've retained it, that'll be the, the real question. My mind is a sieve. Great. <laughs> all right. So Laos has a waterfall record. What is that waterfall record? So, for example, it could be the tallest waterfall in the world or the loudest waterfall, the most beautiful waterfall. But there is one record How do you they measure have. the most beautiful waterfall? Uh, there is a way. Okay. We'll get to that if they do. Uh, if it, is, if it is the case. Um, yeah. I'm going to say it is the world's heaviest flowing waterfall the answer is widest widest okay yes. so i don't know if you've been to the con fa feng falls is that in sifan don in the south i definitely cannot tell you okay <laughs> well i think because i think i i think i have been there yeah 
but I don't know the actual name of it. So I think it's in Cifandon, which is at the in the south um, at the southern tip of Laos. Okay, great. Well, I always thought that uh, that was Victoria Falls, the widest falls in the world, but apparently not. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, so Laos has two claims of the most something country in the world per capita. Okay. So I'll give you a hint. One yeah. is food related. Yeah. And the other is quite. Mm, it's uh, it's not a good thing. Basically, it's not one that you okay. want to own as a country. So, I would say the food-related thing is they eat more sticky rice than anywhere else in the world. You've absolutely nailed it. And I would say the thing that's not a good thing is it's the most bombed country in the world. Also correct. Yes. Well, I don't want to celebrate that, but at the same time, I got it right. So. Yeah, so you, you get two points for that one. So, well fabulous, done. Fabulous, fabulous. So, they had over 2 million bombs uh, throughout the 1960s and 1970s explode throughout Laos. Yeah, so you find that there's still a lot of unexploded ordnance in, in Laos as well, which is quite a bit of a problem. So um, you have a lot of charities that do really good work there that basically help people recover yeah. from these injuries. And there are people who basically spend their whole lives removing these bombs and they've barely touched a dent in yeah. the amount that are there. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. All right. And so the last two questions probably will help the listeners to understand a little bit more about the country. Yeah. Um, so how many countries border Laos? You have, I believe it would be China, Vietnam, Cambodia, and Thailand. So I'm going to say four. Uh, so you've got those four correct, but you've missed Myanmar. Yes. Myanmar cool. is the fifth one. Uh, and the final question, what is the population of Laos? Oh, I'm going to go with four million. Uh, seven million <sighs> it is. Rats. All right, but you've done pretty well, yeah. so I think you came... Oh. Did I pass? Yeah, well, so I'm going to give two points for the second question, meaning okay. that you've got three out of five in terms of points. I passed, that's it. Peace, well done, Paul. Peas get degrees. Well done. Yeah. All right, okay, so we've established that you've been to Laos four times. Yes. Uh, do you want to kind of just kind of quickly touch on the parts of Laos that you've been to? So I've, I've pretty much done Laos tip to tail. So okay. I have gone from Hue Sai and the Bokyo province in the very north. Yep. Down the Mekong to uh, the Wang Prabang, then to Vang Vien, to Vientiane, the capital, which is kind of in the middle, and then all the way to the south to Pakse and Sifandon or 4,000 Islands. Excellent. Great. All right. So, Paul, if I were a friendly local and I came up to you and I asked you, what do you think of Laos? Which I always enjoy when you're in a certain country and they want to know what they think of your nation. How would you respond to me? I would say uh, it has the friendliest people, the spiciest food. Yeah. And the tastiest beer. Wow. Are you just playing up to me or are you... I'm playing up to you a little okay. bit. Uh, the, the beer is fantastic. The yep. food is... I would say the f- if you're trying to combine all three of those things, yep. I would say that it is actually the best place in the world for it. Because Thailand beer is not as good as Lao beer. Okay. So I feel like Thailand gets a, gets a cross against its name. Whereas in Laos, the people are incredibly friendly. The food is super spicy. And the beer... I mean, if you've ever had beer Lao, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Okay, great. Because I know that you're a very big fan of Thailand. I am. Uh, you've spent many, many years talking up Thailand. So it's interesting to hear you kind of give Laos a point over Thailand. For those three things. Sure. I think the beer just, the beer kicks it, you know. Yeah. If it wasn't for the beer, I'd go for Thailand. But the beer etches it up a notch. Okay, great. And now I'm going to ask you as the Australian that I am, mm-hmm. how would you describe your general experiences with the people of Laos? You don't have to kind of, don't have to play up to me now, just... Generally speaking, have you had great interactions I've, otherwise? I would say that my general experience is pretty much fantastic. Mm. Historically speaking, I've always had a very, very good time with them. They've always been fabulous. The only thing that's changed recently, I think, in the capital, in Vientiane, there is a little bit more negativity there. But for the most part, it's been fantastic. We were invited to a wedding re- reception in Sifandon, so in the south of Laos. 
just because we were staying in the same guest house as all the people who were going to the wedding. Oh, amazing. And so they were just like, oh, of course you'll come. And they just couldn't understand the fact that we might not. Yeah. Basically what it involved is all of us sitting around a circle that was covered in food. So it was this big circle covered in food. All the guys sat around it. All the women were sitting on tables around the circle. Yeah. Then you had a band in the corner who was playing traditional instruments. And we just sat there and ate all this really weird food and got really drunk. One of my favorite things about drinking in like that situation was that they only have one cup. All right. So what happens is when you're sitting in the circle, they have one cup and someone pours a beer. Yep. Then they hand that beer, hand that that beer to the person to their left. Then that person drinks the beer. Then that person pours the beer. Then hands it to the person to their left. And it just goes around the circle. So to drink, you have to wait and watch this beer come around. Yeah. And if you, that's if you want to drink beer. But you can have as many shots of Lau Lau as you want, which is the local moonshine. Okay. But you don't really want to have that many. <laughs> yeah. So you're just looking at the beer coming yeah. around and being like, oh my God, yeah. please get here. It's a very slow moving beer. A very slow move. Well, to be fair, actually, people, they, they go hard. So they will just smash the beer back and then throw, like chuck it to the next guy. Yeah. So okay. you think it's going to be a slow moving beer, but it actually goes pretty quick. Yeah. Well, and so tell me more about Lau Lau. What is this? Is it akin to any other kind of moonshine <sighs> you've had? Look. It is, it's, I think it's, so it's rice based. Mm-hmm. So it's like rice based whiskey. Yeah. And it's fucking terrible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just, you, you could run an engine on it. And <laughs> when you go, when you used to go tubing, they would give it out for free just to get people more drunk. Oh, so it's yeah. this cheap, shitty stuff. And yeah. I, if I never touch any, any of it ever again in my life, I'm not going to complain. Yeah. Totally. Cause. I feel like moonshine around the world is generally pretty similar no matter where you go. Like you get Eurachia, you get whatever you get around the world and you smell it from a mile away. Yeah. But I always find particularly in the Southeast Asian region that they often, the moonshine often comes in like soft plastic pet bottles. Yeah. In, <laughs> in, in this Lao Lao stuff, it, it yeah. is actually, so I call it moonshine, but it's still it has like a label and it's still kind of oh, produced. Wow. It's in plastic bottles. Okay. It's still yeah. kind of <laughs> that middle ground. <laughs> yeah. It's still kind of produced, but it is essentially yeah. like bathtub gray spirit. You know? Yeah. It's garbage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So obviously the Loatians, the Lao people are yeah. very accommodating. Very, very accommodating. Also another thing about the Lao people that I thought I should mention is they have this saying called Bopanyang. Okay. Which essentially means no worries. So the Australian equivalent would be, oh, no worries, mate. Yeah. But what it, I'm pretty sure I've, I've read this somewhere and I was trying to find the source for this and couldn't, but I'm pretty sure it means something like all is good under God and I forgive you and I don't hold anything against you. All right. So it's really big, like, no worries. And you hear that a lot? It is. Yeah, you hear that heaps. Yeah. And I feel like that really sums up the people. They're very much like no worries. And yeah. so it kind of feels like a word that means don't worry, be happy. Yeah. Which I think is really like emulated the people that are so friendly, so, so hospitable, so nice, you know, and that word for me just sums up the people as they are. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So the, the people are obviously great. Yeah. What about your experience with other travelers? Ah, look, I've actually met more, made more friends in Laos than I think maybe any other country. Really? Yeah. Just in terms of, I mean, I've been there a lot as well, sure. but in terms of people that I'm still in contact with. People who have come and lived with me mm-hmm. for any, like for, you know, a lot of the people are from the UK, you meet them in Laos and then they're making their way down to Australia. Yeah. And so then they end up in Sydney and I'm like, oh, come stay at my place. And that yeah. happened three times. Yeah, right. Yeah. And some of those guys, you know, we, I maintained a really good friendship with, even though that 
you know, when I first met them was 2009, I'm still in contact with them. Yeah, no way. Which is a really, really good effort, I feel like, for travel friends. Because most travel friends you meet and then you eventually fall by the wayside. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. But these guys, I mean, if I got to London, these would be the first guys I'd call. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess you have that little thing up your sleeve as well because you've, you've accommodated them. Of course, they yeah. should accommodate you. I hope they're listening right now and know that oh, they owe you one. Yeah, I hope so. Last time we were there, they last time I was in London, they, they bought me tons of pizza as like a... Thanks for having us. Meal. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. Like heaps of Pizza Hut. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, why yeah. not? Well, because I, I do love that about traveling. Like not only the fact that, you know, there are the odd occasion where you accommodate someone else, you meet someone on your travels and then you go into their place and then you get to stay with them and you get there and like you have something small like pizza and you're just like, oh my God, this is so generous of you because you're traveling, you know, yeah. you don't have the budget. But for them, it- yeah, for them, it's nothing. Yeah. This was, these guys were all working real jobs. So they're like, we're in suits and ties and stuff. And this in was, Mouse. no, this in was, London. uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> this was, um, yeah, they were all in suits and ties and they were working real jobs. And mm. I was in the middle of a year long trip. Oh, yeah. And so for me, when they bought me all the pizza, I was like, oh my God. And pe- like, pizza art in London's expensive. It was like 16. Everything in London. Yeah, it's, I think it was like 16 pounds for a pizza. Yeah. So when they bought a bunch of them, I was like, oh my God, this is like, three days of my budget yeah, for pizza. Yeah. Well, I, I had free accommodation when I was in London and it was great. And I remember like one night we went out to um to Chelsea and like played beer pong there. Great night. But just like ordering like a tower of beer and be like, that'll be 50 pounds. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not paying for accommodation this well, week. You don't have that in Laos. No. A, ta- a tower of beer there would probably set you back. God, I don't know, in pounds, but you could get it for at least... Seven bucks. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So you did find Laos very kind of super affordable. Yeah. Um, also, people just always try and feed you. I've never been to a country where people, I mean, I haven't been to any of the Middle Eastern countries, yeah. which is a big caveat here, but they they try and feed you so much, but they always have these really weird dishes. So things like blood jelly. So it's just like blood that's been turned into jelly. Okay. These weird fermented fish. Human blood, animal blood. Don't some know. sort of animal blood, I hope. <laughs> yeah. But they, they just try and feed you all this stuff. And I feel like it's just, you end up trying so much because people are just like, here, have this, here, have this. And a lot of the times they're giving you this stuff, even though they don't really have that much of it, they just want you to try it. And you feel really guilty saying, no, I don't want to eat your lunch. But at the same time, they really don't take no for an answer. So you kind of just have to go for it. And almost the most offensive thing I imagine you could do there is just say no. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So we've, we've kind of touched on where you have been throughout the country, only vaguely. Yeah. Let's, let's kind of dive into that a little bit. Uh, yeah. So if you were to say there are any kind of must visit locations in Laos, what, where would you start? Oh, all right. So I'm going to start at the very top and I'm going to work my way down the country. Beautiful. I'm going to give you three. One of them sneaks in. Oh, okay. Yeah. So two standouts. And two then- standouts. So I think one of the standouts for me was going to the Bokio province in the north and doing the okay. Gibbon experience. Yeah. So have you heard of the Gibbon experience? Uh, so I've done it in Thailand. Okay. I don't so know how similar it is. Very different. Okay. So the, the Gibbon experience in Laos is, I mean, it was one of the most absurdly beautiful things I've ever done. Yeah. You get driven into the Bokio province, which is just this crazy, crazy jungle. Yeah. You get driven and you then hike up a mountain through a jungle and this yeah, is, okay. it's stunning and the hike is incredible. Yeah. And then, you're, you've been going through the trees for a while and it's all like really like closed mm. in and then you get to a zip line that zip lines you to a tree house yeah, where, right. and the drop is like a hundred meters and you're going like across a gorge. Yeah. 
And there's a connection of all these zip lines through all these tree houses that just go across these gigantic gorges. Yeah. Like when you, when you go and I, I can't remember if it was a thousand, I, I want to say it was a thousand meters, but it's probably not a thousand meters. <laughs> that would be very high. It'd be incredible. Uh, but, um, but you, you basically go across these gorges and yeah. it's absurd. Like it's, I've never done anything like it in my life. It was incredible. Um, the only downside was I had dislocated my shoulder tubing right beforehand okay this sounds exactly like you yes and i couldn't do the zip lining properly because if you know that when you're zip lining you're supposed to hold on to the you don't you, you can do it one-handed right yeah but you just don't have the same amount of control and getting in and out like unharnessing yourself oh, doing other course. stuff just becomes so much harder yeah i mean at the end is, is that the biggest issue yeah and also as well if you let's say for example you don't get enough pace to get to the end of the zip line mm. and then i'm pulling one-handed to keep oh, going yeah. and it's you know it's a pain in the ass yeah totally so that happened to me. So that was a bit of a downside. But what a, a flip of that that went really well was I, because I wasn't ziplining, the crap yeah. of the beer. <laughs> There'll be another one following. <laughs> so, uh, because I, um, I wasn't ziplining, I just stayed in the treehouse. Okay. You know, so I did, I did some ziplining and then I just found that it was being too hard and my shoulder was giving me too much pain. Yeah. Then I just got to sit in the treehouse. And when you're sitting there on your own, the amount of wildlife that just comes up. So you're sitting there and yeah. there's just all this stuff because you're not talking. I was just sitting there reading and then yeah. just all this wildlife comes out of nowhere and you're just hearing all these things. You're seeing all this stuff around you. Yeah. And it was like really incredible at night. We heard so many like roars. Oh, amazing. And I don't know if it was a bear or because I know <laughs> that they have, they do have tigers up there. Yeah. So there sure. are still wild tigers okay. and other stuff. And yeah, like right. even wild elephants still exist yeah. up there. And they would have wild bears. Yeah. Wild bears. So yeah. they have black bears. Yeah. And you just hear this roar and you'd be like, holy shit. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. And it was just like, you, you hear it and your whole spine tingles, you know, it was amazing. So yeah. I would 100% recommend doing that. Yeah. Um, Did quite, you see any gibbons? No, we didn't okay. see any gibbons. Sure. I've seen gibbons in other places, yeah. but I didn't see any there. <laughs> so they should have called it the hanging out in the treehouse experience. <laughs> yeah. That's still fun. Um, yeah. But no, even, and even just driving up there and spending some time in Quaisai in that area, mm. it's stunning. And it's yeah. really, it really feels different, you know? So, do you say it's one of those experiences where even the journey, as it were, the drive there was, uh, that alone, it was like worth the, you're sitting, worth the time and effort? You're sitting in the back of a ute and it's driving you through mm. this just incredible yeah. countryside. And there's something really special, I feel, about like sitting in the back of a ute and, and like seeing all this stuff around you. Because oh, when totally. I think when you're in a car or in a bus, you don't really get to absorb the countryside as much because yeah. there's a window between you and it. When yeah. you're sitting in the back of a truck... Yeah, you just yeah. feel like it's around you. Same as when you're on a scooter and you're scootering around the countryside. You feel like you're immersed in it, you know? I completely agree. Absolutely agree. And I feel like it's one of those, there's just a value add. Like you get there and you're like, I've already had my money's worth. Everything yeah. from here is just a complete bonus. Well, that was for, that was kind of my rationale of why I didn't try and push to do more zip lining mm-hmm. Because the hike was incredible. Yep. The riding was incredible. The treehouse was amazing. Yeah. The zip lining was fun, but it was giving me a lot of trouble. Yeah. And I was kind of like, ah, fuck it. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, that was, that was fabulous. So up in the north, I'd definitely yeah. go and do that. So it's one of the top two in the three you've given me. Yes. Yeah. What's the second one, Paul? Second one is one that's going to sneak in. And I'm only okay. putting this in here kind of out of nostalgia, mm-hmm. but it is still quite good. Um, so this one is, chu- uh, Bang Bien. Okay. The tubing. In the, the tubing. tubing. In the tubing. So. Can you explain to me why all the singlets say in the tubing? No idea. Okay. Because it's like in the tube and it was some marketing thing that some like local person did. Okay. And then that's, that was their understanding of it. Yeah. But no, um, Vang Vien is actually really beautiful. Okay. So the surrounding countryside is stunning. Mm-hmm. Tubing is what it is. And it was very fun 
Yeah. It went from being very fun to not so fun to now it's still pretty cool, but you know, it's nothing that special. Yeah. But what's really special about Van Dien is jumping on a motorbike and cruising around the countryside and going exploring all these other lagoons and Mm -hmm. just seeing like the limestone cliffs around these long stretches of farmland and just having like all these buffalo walk past you at these random intervals, you know, it's, it's fantastic. It really is beautiful. And then there's also like a cool party scene as long as you're happy partying with Koreans. I'm always happy to party with Koreans for the record. <laughs> exactly. But, but they're yeah. always really fun. So you go out, there's like these bars that's just full of all these Korean dudes who, and yeah. girls who just get really drunk and party. Awesome. Is, this, is this kind of in response to the change of Van Vieng? Yeah. So what happened is when when it all they, they shut down all the tubing and we there's an episode that we speak about this a little bit uh, deeper on near, near-death experiences yes so if anyone wants to go back and hear more about this please listen to that episode episode two i think episode two yeah but basically when they when they made the changes and the partying died down mm. there was a big push to kind of recover the lost tourism yes and at the same time one of the budget korean airlines had just started doing direct flights from seoul to vientiane i believe yeah and so they basically kind of turned things around and catered everything to Korean tourists instead. Yeah, nice. And it worked out really well. And now that, you know, the town is booming again. They have all these adventure activities that are really popular. Lots of good rock climbing, kayaking. Everyone drives around in these little red dune buggies. Yeah, yeah. Which is a bit weird. But at the same time, you know, like if you love it, go for it. I wonder if the, I doubt it, but I wonder if the reverse ever happened where there were a bunch of Lao people who would then kind of, the the, bo- the tourism boom in Korea just saw this influx of Lao. Like, <laughs> I would love that. I, I actually went to the Lao embassy in Korea. Oh, did you just get a to get a visa? visa? Yeah. yeah, right. Um, sorry, I'm gonna open a beer right now. It's gonna be loud. Wasn't actually that bad. Um, yeah, so it wasn't busy at all. They were very confused that we were there, and I started you don't look either Korean or Lao. What do yeah. you? And yeah. I spoke to them in um, I spoke to them in Lao. So I said like Sabaidi, which is like hello. Yeah. And they were like, what do you want? <laughs> I was like, a visa, please. <laughs> uh, so it was quite funny. But yeah. yeah, no, I went to the, the Korean embassy and that was fun. Cool. All right. Well, obviously, Tubing and uh, Van yeah. Vieng is notorious and probably the, the best known thing in Laos, I think, at least, you know, for our generation. Um, Definitely. So we've got your, we've got your, the one that snuck in at third there for Van Vieng. Yeah. What is the other one that is in the top two? I don't this, know if it's this one's number, number one. one. Oh, wow. Okay. So number one is Don Det or Sifan Don in the south. Yeah. 4,000 Islands is what it's commonly referred to mm-hmm. as. And that's the direct translation? So yeah, Sifan Don is, yeah, so Don is island yeah. and uh, yeah, C is four and then Fan is 100, I think, so, or 4,000. So yeah, Sifan Don. Yeah. Um, it is stunning. Yeah, yeah. You, so it's basically like a delta. And the reason why they call it 4,000 islands is there's all these tiny little islands everywhere. Because obviously Laos is landlocked. Yes. But this is on some river it's or on lake. It's on the Mekong. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's on the Mekong and there's just all these tiny little island, like all these tiny yeah. little islands. And some of them, like my joke is that anywhere that a water, bu- water buffalo can stand, <laughs> they call it an island. Okay, yeah, yeah. So a lot of them are little, right? But yeah. It's still what makes this really, really great landscape. And you, mm. when you get the boat, you get a long tail boat in and yeah. you, know, you can smell the diesel fumes and you see these little islands, you see these buffalo just like hanging out in the water and it's, yeah. it's stunning, man. Yeah. And the first, like from the very first moment I went there, I fell in love. This is where yeah. we went and did the, the wedding reception. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. You, most of the days you spend on a bicycle cycling around these islands mm-hmm. and just like, it's so relaxing, you know? There was a yep. little cafe that Steph and I used to go to and we would just go there and lounge for the day. We'd have 
Yeah. You know, have a meal and then you're sitting there and there's a little beach by the water and all there are there is just water buffalo just hanging out. And you can yeah. walk down and sit like right across them and they'll just chill. Yeah. They do not care about you yeah, at all. Awesome. It's also a really good mix of tourists and locals. Okay. So, you, I find with a lot of places, when they become really popular, you end up having locals pushed out to make more room for tourists. Yeah. Whereas here, it seems like they've kind of capped it. Yeah. So, I don't think it's popular enough yet for people to, to push a bunch of people out. And there wasn't really that many nice places to stay. Most of the places yeah. to stay there are really kind of rugged places, right? So, yeah. no air conditioning. Mm. You're staying in a wooden hut, sometimes shared bathroom, sometimes mm. drop bathroom, right? Yeah. So, it's very, very chill. And then it means that there's a lot of space for the locals to kind of live and farm and just reg- live their regular yeah, life. Yeah, that's cool. With the occasional drunk on a bicycle rolling past, waving at them, you know? Yeah, I could picture you right now. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Oh, man, that sounds great. Okay. Yeah. So, we've, we've obviously discussed a few activities with some of these, with the given experience and the tubing. Yeah. Um, are there lots of activities in Cifandom? Yeah. So... You can do a whole lot of like kayaking, a whole lot of like little boat trips because you can just, one of the things that we really, we did that we really liked is there was a guy, a British dude who worked at a bar. Okay. One of like this little guest house had a bar attached. So he worked like, there. So like every British dude in Southeast Asia. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. He worked there and he used to run these little boat tours. And yeah. So you jump on the boat and you go out to one of these little islands and what we'd do is you'd just go out with beers and some music and you'd mm-hmm. grill up some food and yeah. we'd all sit around and drink and have fun. And then kids who live nearby would swim out. Yeah. And they'd come hang out and you just play frisbee with all these like local kids. Oh, so, because so, they knew it was a spot where people would come to. And so when they'd see you, they'd swim out and then you could uh, just yeah. like spend all day hanging out and playing with them. Yeah. So we would spend a good amount of time just hanging out with these kids, drinking, uh, playing frisbee. Yeah. And then at the very end of it, they put you in tubes. Cause it, so they'd bring tubes along. Yeah. And they'd put you in tubes and then make a little like flotilla. Oh, cool. And, yeah, yeah. and they would drive the boat back and you'd float behind them in the tubes. And they'd, they'd like, they'd take moments where they'd just let you float around these little areas. And it's while the sun's setting and it's like really beautiful. Yeah. So it's, it's the sea fandon version of tubing. Yeah. But it's pretty fabulous. Mm. All right. So one of the things that always draws me to a country uh, is both the flora and fauna, especially the fauna. And so, you know, I've traveled around some of the surrounding nations of, of Laos. Yeah, and we've kind of touched on with the gibbons or the not gibbons, as well <laughs> as gibbons. as well as the, the water butterfly, water buffalo, the gibbons that were not meant to be. Yeah. Um. What if I were to go to Laos? What could I potentially expect beyond just hearing distant bear and lions and tigers? Well, no lions, but tigers. So it, it used to be called the country of I can't remember. If it was that was like the country of a million elephants, okay. or something like that. So there used to be a lot of wild elephants that roamed around. Yeah, right. There's, you can still see elephants there. I'm not yeah. sure how easy it would be to see wild elephants because I'm pretty yeah. sure most of them would have been adopted mm. for logging and other, you know. Which I think is just Asian general. Yeah, Asian, so yeah. you will definitely see elephants. You'll, I mean, I can't stress how many buffalo you'll see. I feel like <laughs> I feel like buffalo is like the national identity of Laos. Yeah, they even do like you even have like a lot of food that's buffalo related. What's I can't even picture the beer Lao. What is what is the emblem? The beer Lao emblem is a green it's bottle, a tiger, right? Yeah, is a tiger. Okay, yeah, yeah. it's a tiger, I believe. Because I wasn't. Con- that's, oh, no, a lion. It's a lion. Oh, okay, interesting. Which is not something you'll find in Laos. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but. I mean, hey, power to them. Sure. King, of, king of the jungle that doesn't live in the jungle. Yeah, yeah. It's a jungly country, but yeah. No. yeah. Well, yeah. So, speaking of jungly stuff, 
Yeah. It's one of those countries where it's funny because it's a long country. And you know with long countries how you can have very different stuff in the north and south. Totally, yeah. So, if you're in the south, it feels a lot more like Thailand, the heat. Mm-hmm. And basically, you get like a lot of dry areas and like the heat in the south and in the... Um, mm. In the central areas, but then you go further up north and it becomes a little bit cooler and it gets more kind of like foresty and, it, you know, it's yeah. just very different depending on where you are in the country. I would say that if you go there, you will see water buffalo. You will see snakes. Snakes. You will see snakes, definitely. You'll see a lot of very, very skinny cows. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I can picture them right now. Yes. Yeah. Just the cows with the ribs showing and everything. Yeah. But they are super friendly. After my kayaking trip, there was this uh, cow that came up to me. And just started like headbutting me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why is this cow headbutting me? And all the yeah. people around were laughing and were like hanging out. And there was like locals laughing as well. And I started scratching the back of her head. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, no more butting and just like kind of stood there getting her head scratched. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome. And a similar thing happened to me in Bang Vien where I was hanging a piss, to be fair. And then I walked out. And there's, you know, like when you hang a piss somewhere and then you turn around and there's an animal right behind you. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. It hasn't, but please continue. Okay, so I was like hanging a piss, turned around and all of a sudden there's a cow looking at me and I'm like, oh. <laughs> but then it was really lovely. Licked my hand, yeah. not the hand that I pissed with. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because okay. yeah. I didn't want to, I'm not that kind of guy. Good. Um, but no, just really, really friendly animals, mostly just farm stuff. Yeah. I mean, I heard a lot of crazy stuff in for the given experience. Yeah. Didn't necessarily see anything. Yeah. Which would have been lovely, but, you know, it was still a very great experience. Yeah. Well, classic jungle, right? You you yeah. hear it all, but to see it is just... It's a very different thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So, we're, we've kind of beaten around the bush a little bit, in my opinion. <laughs> we're beating around the bush. Let's... 30 minutes of beating around the bush. <laughs> Let's get right to the point here. Okay. Fabulous. What is the food like? I need to know. I know you've said the spiciest food in the world, but I need to know a little bit more. What are the must-eat dishes? Do you like spicy food? I do like spicy food. Well, then you're in luck. Excellent. <laughs> okay. Laos has... It's funny because with Lao food, a lot of it you have probably already had before, but you haven't realized you've had it. I've had it in Thailand or in a Thai restaurant? In a Thai restaurant. Yeah. So, a lot of Thai food mm. is Lao and a lot of Lao food is Thai. Sure. Because a lot of inverted commas here for the listeners. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I forget we're not a video podcast <laughs> yet. Yes. Um, so basically, you have this area called Isan, which okay. is an area in northeastern Thailand, and it's the border essentially of Thailand and Laos. Yeah. They in Isan. If you're in Isan in Thailand, they speak Lao. Mm-hmm. Right. So the language is shared, and a lot of the food is shared there as well. So a lot of yeah. the stuff that I'll talk about here, you might recognize. Yeah. But it's a lot of it's quite Lao. Yes. So, I think the main thing is what we said earlier in trivia. Everything comes with sticky rice. Okay. So, you- Very good. So, plain rice is very rare. It, I mean, they've started- in, They've introduced it a whole lot more because- For the tourists? Yes. Or, yeah. So, something that's happened, I think, a lot recently is because there's been a big influx of tourists, they're changing their palate to be more tourist-friendly, ah. which is kind of disappointing sure. because it means they, their natural assumption is, oh, we'll just make Thai food. Yeah. Which means that you miss out on some really incredible Lao food. But I know that when when I first went to Laos, if you ordered rice, you would get sticky rice. You yeah. wouldn't you wouldn't get okay the default, rice. which yeah. is amazing because I know at my local Thai restaurant, which I go to roughly weekly. Yeah, the default is the other way. To the extent that when I order sticky rice, ninety five percent of the time they say they're all out, which means they haven't actually made any. Yeah, and they just don't expect anyone to order it. Yes, yeah, okay, this is great news to me. Yes. So back in the day, you would order rice, and it would always be sticky rice. Yeah. Now they ask you. So, they ask you, do you want... Ah, okay. And so, you can feel a little bit of a change there. But anyway, getting into the food. Okay. So, beyond the rice, because obviously staple, but... Yeah. So, larp. You like larp? Larp. I love larp. Okay. 
pork mince. It can be pork. It can, it can be pork, chicken, buffalo, beef. It really can be buffalo. Yes, they yeah. do buffalo as well. It really can be any kind of mince meat, and they mm. do a whole different variety. Yeah. But essentially, what it is is mince meat, and they put it. I'm pretty sure in Laos they do it with fish sauce and lime juice, and it's different yeah. between Laos and Thailand. Okay, um, but they do. It's it'd be um, minced. Let's just say pork for now. Yeah. Chuck in a bunch of chilies, chuck in a bunch of herbs, put mm. in some lime juice, some fish sauce, mix it up, serve it with maybe a couple of like cold pieces of lettuce or cabbage, or cabbage probably. So a yeah. couple of pieces of ca- cabbage. And then, you know, cabbage is really good when you're having some mad spicy food. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like naturally cools down your mouth. Yeah. And then basically you create a spoon with the sticky rice and then scoop it up oh, and perfect. bang, take a bite. Yeah. It is like the lap in Laos is. Oh, my heart, <laughs> my beating heart is so yeah. good. Um, so everyone has to go and try a LARP in Laos. Okay. Uh, how are you on papaya salad? Uh, I'm not big on papaya in general. So I think that's, that might okay. be the part that lets, lets me down. It's okay. fine. I'll have it. I love it. Okay. The very first papaya salad I had, I was confused. Mm. So I was in, it was on my first trip to Laos. Get in there, order a papaya salad, thinking that it would be a salad. <laughs> Okay, what is it? <laughs> because because it's just like it's like a lot of shredded papaya and yeah. tons of chili. Okay, yeah, really? Yeah, so they're super spicy. Yeah, and they do it with like they do it with all sorts of weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you have fermented crab in there. Yeah, you, right. you can have like all these different crazy ingredients. Mm. And basically, I, I I've grown to love them, and I really yeah. do love them now. But they're a bit of a hard entry point. But okay. I do think if you can try a good papaya salad, they do really good ones in Laos. Interesting. Because I know there are parts of Asia where they, with fruit, they either add spice or add salt. Yeah. Is that effectively what you're getting with this papaya salad? You're just getting the added... So, they, they with the papaya salad, if you're having like a traditional, traditional papaya salad, they might add a bit of salt. But generally speaking, it's more of a neutral flavor. Mm-hmm. And then they add things like the crab, which is incredibly salty. And yeah. they add bits of, say, some sort of fermented fish or crab or maybe some sort of meat or other accompaniments that add that salty flavor yeah but you can have it without that kind of stuff yeah. it really just tastes like sweet and spicy so sweet spicy and tangy yeah really. yeah cool. um, i love them so great papaya salads they have a lot of fermented and grilled meats okay yeah so very meat heavy cuisine would you say it's funny because i've always struggled to order vegetarian mm-hmm. when i'm there However, I don't think that's, I think that's a fault of a lot of the restaurants in terms of a lot of them are catered to Westerners and finding yeah, the good vegetarian okay. Lao food can be a, a little bit harder. But if you were, say, living, doing a homestay, for example, yes, it would be easier. You would, you would have a lot more. Uh, yeah. They, they do like a lot of noodle, they do like noodle soups and other, other dishes mm-hmm. like that. But really the fermented and grilled meats are, are really awesome. Yep. I, there's one thing that I really love. It's fermented pork. So they basically just, I think they just wrap pork in a banana leaf and then leave it out in the sun <laughs> seems fine to me <laughs> but what they do is there's this one dish where they take that and then they smash it with a bunch of peanuts and a bunch of chili and all the like a couple of other ingredients and maybe even some papaya and other stuff in there yeah and it's delicious so that's yeah. i don't know what that dish is called uh, i probably should have done my research on that one but it's, it's okay. fantastic yeah um finally tell me french influence yeah so that is one of the beautiful parts well Beautiful, but historically horrible yes. parts about Vietnam, a little bit in Cambodia, and then also definitely Laos. Yeah. Uh, they have incredible baguettes. Really? Yeah. So, I used to eat, when I was tubing back in the day, 
I would eat two chicken sandwiches a day and that was my yeah. daily intake. Yeah. Awesome. So you'd wake up for breakfast, you'd be hungover, you'd go and get a chicken sandwich. It would cost you like $2. Yeah. Then you'd go tubing all day, you'd come back plastered, you'd go and eat a chicken sandwich. Yeah. And then you'd either go to bed or keep drinking and then potentially have a late night chicken sandwich at the end of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, because like, I guess by me, my understanding is that it's hugely French influence in Vietnam yes. and it's one of the greatest gifts that... The Vietnamese cuisine is given to the world. Fuck, I love banh mi. So good, right? Like, yeah. just the perfect price, the perfect amount of food, yeah. the perfect these, flavors. These baguettes are similar. Yeah, okay. No, no pate, so it's not as defined mm-hmm. and not as good as banh mi. Yeah. However, when you're drunk after a day of tubing, yeah. shit, man, tastes just as good. Yeah, give it to me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Okay, so two two other key questions here. Yes. So I know that you're not uh, a big coffee man, mm-hmm. historically speaking. Yeah. But what, for, for the listeners out there that do like to get their daily fix. Coffee's fantastic. Okay. Good. Great coffee. And then personally, I love to have a good amount of snacks slash desserts, especially when <laughs> I, I travel. More, more so, so when I travel. I have, I have seen Stuart order a avocado shake in Myanmar because, I mean, he wanted to try it for one. Yeah. But you were, and you were always the guy who was going into the store and being like, what, what is this little sugary, confection yeah. and i'm gonna buy seven of them and then we're gonna be eating it in the <laughs> yeah. car for the next six hours i was kind of self-proclaimed snack king on that trip he was the snack king. and i think i think i love the one thing i love with if there's ever like a key convenience store in a certain country so often it's 7-eleven but you know it changes around the world yeah if you can go in there and just peruse the snack aisle and you're like i've never seen that in my life i need to know what that's like I'm definitely there. And then especially if you're traveling with friends, just sharing that experience is just wonderful in my opinion. Didn't we have, did we have a rating system for the snacks that we had? I can't remember if we did. I remember we would go and there was one that we had as a benchmark and I can't remember what it was. I think it might've been that little peanut honey crackly thing. I This sounds... Correct a, to me, but I definitely don't have the, <laughs> don't, don't I don't have have the recollection right now. I just, I remember there was one stop where we bought a bunch of it and we yeah. tried everything and it was all kind of average. And then this thing was the, the, was the money and the look, money melon. And to be fair, to be fair, Myanmar didn't provide a lot of good no. snacks, but I, it didn't stop me from trying every yeah. single time. I had yeah. a chance. So the snacks in Laos, um, lots of bakeries. Okay. Yeah. So lots of bakeries. The baked goods are really, like, really quite good. So yep. similar with that French influence. When I first went there, there were heaps of ice cream stores. All right. Yeah. Good wouldn't... ice cream or? Okay. So there was this one ice cream store that we went to like quite a bit over mm-hmm. three of my trips there. So the first three trips, there was this one stalwart ice cream store in Vientiane. Yeah. We would go there and get parfaits. Okay. So it'd be three different scoops of ice cream. Bunch of toppings, bunch of sauce, whipped cream. Little waffle would, as well? Yeah, little waffle, like yeah, a little nice. triangle waffle sticking out of the top and the, and the cherry as well. Yeah. Cherry on top. Good. Yeah, exactly. Mm. This, this place was fantastic. I mean, the ice cream wasn't incredible in terms mm-hmm. of a global scale. It's not going to win any gelato of the year award. Sure. But in terms of finding it in Southeast Asia, shit, yeah, man, yeah. I'll take that. Yeah, awesome. We would go there all like every time we go through VNTM, we'd always go there. Mm-hmm. And on our last day on in the final of those three trips, yeah, me and my mates had um, essentially saved enough money for we had enough money basically to we'd already booked our transport to uh, transfer to the border, so everything yeah. was booked, and we had strategically made it so we had enough money for three parfaits. Good. So we were like, this is the last so thing right. we're going to eat in the country. We're going to yeah. go and get these three parfaits. Then we turned. <laughs> We turn up and we go there and we check our wallets. Yeah. And 
all of a sudden I'm missing my money. No. Yes. So the money that I put aside and then in solidarity, the guys say, you know what? We're not going to do it. Wow. They were like, solidarity, we're like, we're not going to do it. And you can't exchange Lao money anywhere. So they were just taking that money with them. Monopoly money. Not even worth that much. Yes. (laughs) So they're they're taking that money with them. We had it perfectly set aside for the parfait. Yeah. Then we get to the border and we're walking across the border and then I like put my hands in my pockets oh. and I pulled out the money and you should have seen their faces. It was Doug and Nat Whitmore. Oh, and they were like, oh especially Nat. Yeah. Nat not only loves just quantities of food, yeah, but he, also is so very financially conscious. He was so disappointed. I ended up keeping that kit for... All right. I like, it lasted for eight years in my wallet. Yeah. So I had it in my wallet for eight Kip years. being the currency? Kip being the, the currency of Laos. So it was 50,000 Kip. Yeah. I had it in my wallet for, yeah, I believe it was for, I, from, that would have been, no, it was from 2011 to 2018. Okay. So. And then I lost my wallet in a, bu- in, in a bus in Mexico. Oh, you're so close to returning to Laos at that <laughs> point as well. I know, I know. Oh. So I was like, oh God. But, um, oh, no. but yeah, so I lost the kip, my lucky kip. Oh. But then I replaced it with a new lucky kip. So now okay. I still have 50,000. And that's more. in your wallet right at this moment? I believe so. Excellent. Well, we don't need to check, but yeah. look, okay. So. So, decent ice cream, which is actually, I would say, very hard to find yes. in South Although, Asia. I will say that ice cream place has since closed down. Oh. I went back on my recent trip and it was gone. That's a shame. That's a Plus, shame. it was because it was attached to these guest houses as well that yeah. we used to stay in every time we'd go. So, we'd stay in the same yeah. guest house. And that was gone too. Yeah. So, I was like, oh, my heart. But, you know, change comes to us all. There it is. Okay. So, we can say that the food is safely spicy. We can say yep. there's plenty of sticky rice, lots of really good meats yep. and larp. Uh, generally vegetarian is fine, but also it would take you a bit of an effort to find it potentially. Yeah. I just found that all the vegetarian meals were Thai. Yeah. Okay. So they have like Pad Pak Bung, which is stir fried glory, more, uh, morning glory. They have Pad Pak Rom, which is, mm-hmm. you know, stir fried vegetables and oyster sauce. They have a lot of these staples. Yeah. But in terms of these really original loud dishes, I didn't find as many of them. Okay. Fair enough. And then also we can say the French influence has done a good thing. Fabulous thing. Excellent. I mean, Historically speaking, let's not yeah. go into it. But in terms of the food and the coffee, fabulous. Yeah. Merci. Merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup. All right. Okay. So you've been a few times, Paul. Yes. Things have probably changed. Is that fair to say? Very much so. So the Koreans, but aside from the Koreans, we've touched on that already. What yeah. else has changed? I'm actually going to focus in on Vientiane. Okay. For this. Because, That's the capital? Yes, the capital. Because while I feel like a lot of other places have changed, I feel like this place has felt the change the most. Yeah. So, I feel like in the people, they're not as friendly as they were historically. Okay. Um, there is this. There was this new thing that happened. So, when we first went there, there was barely any cars, right? Yeah. People on motorbikes, barely any cars. We've come back and there is cars everywhere. Yeah. So, more there is more cars on the road than the roads can reasonably accommodate. Okay. All you see is there's traffic jams all the time. So, what's yep. happened is it's become really... It used to be quite hard for a person in Laos to get a loan for a car. But now it's become easy. And it's even come to the point where they're giving cars to people in the government, just giving them. Like, if you work for the government, you can get a car. And like, the- you should never work for the government. Yeah. I mean, but there's like, there's, there's, you know, they would do like no interest loans on cars. So you yeah. Just, okay. Yeah. Basically just pay the car off every once in a while, no interest whatsoever. Right. Yeah. It's a great deal. But yeah. So, but what that's done is that means that everyone in Vientiane has got cars now and. Yeah. The, the streets are not built for that many cars. The, the mm-hmm. ta- it's a sleepy small town. It's a capital city, but it is a sleepy yeah. town. And now it's chockers full of cars. Yeah. And it's kind of shit, you know? Yeah. And, but it's, I feel really, I feel bad saying that because, it, you know, if the Lao people want cars, give them the cars, right? 
Mm-hmm. Who am I to tell them don't like don't ruin VNTN? Don't have your cars. It's yeah, like, yeah. well, no, they've got to develop. They've got to, you know, they've got to have the things that they want to have. Yeah. But it's kind of like screwed the city a little bit. Yeah. Okay. They also, and this this actually changed between 2009 and 2010. My favorite thing about the city was these wooden decks that looked out over the Mekong. Yeah. So you'd have these amazing wooden decks. There was twenty of them mm-hmm. looking out over the Mekong, sunset perfectly in front of them. They had just little eskies filled with beers and uh, like a lady working a walk and so you'd order food you'd sit at these little sitting tables Mm -hmm. you'd play cards you drink beer and you'd sit there all night and that was basically your night out right yeah you do that and then when everything closes the only place you can go drinking is a bowling alley yeah so you go bowling afterwards right so yeah you go and sit there and you'd sit on the decks you drink watch the sunset spend all night there and then you'd go bowling it was fantastic really really fabulous but then those decks got all cleared out of the way Okay. And they made way just for a park and a big statue. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, there was, it, it kind of felt like there was a lot of this really cool stuff that really appealed to travelers. Yeah. That was getting knocked down and moved out of the way to make, I guess, make more public space for locals, which yeah. is a good thing, you know? Generally speaking. Totally yeah. Great, like yeah. it is really, a really good thing. But in terms of like traveling there, it doesn't feel as good. Right. And also, yeah. I think I touched on this more with, um, with the food, but just the fact that, you know, you before you'd order sticky rice, you'd order rice, you'd get yeah. sticky rice. Now it's like, do you want sticky or normal? Yeah. You know, or sticky or plain. Yeah. And so there's just these kind of little changes that I think have happened in terms of those things, which do add mm. up. Yeah. But then in terms of like the cars and just the city's just become really smoggy and gritty and grimy and it just doesn't feel as nice as it used to. Yeah. They also have this, there's this thing going, I don't know if you've heard of the one belt, one road policy. I've heard you talk about it once before, but I'm not really familiar. So, so tell me. So it's, I think it's, it's a Chinese foreign policy and I don't really know a huge amount about it, but this is just from what I've learned from people in Laos. Yeah. So is it to invest in Sydney? That seems like a Chinese foreign policy. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's to invest all over the world in, okay. in infrastructure yeah. to expand China's influence. Yes. Okay. So they're doing that in Laos and they're building a railroad, railroad in Laos. Yeah. And they're building, I think they're building it all the way into China. Uh, I'm not 100 okay. sure on that, but I'm pretty sure they might be building it all the way into the, all the way into China. But what what that is doing is it's diverting funds away from public works. Okay, and they're using all this like local labor and diverting all this attention that should be paid to the roads. Mm-hmm. That is now the roads are now going unused, and they have an invested interest in making the roads shit yep. because it means that more people are going to get on the train. Yes. Okay. The roads are fucking garbage, and you've noticed that decline, mate. In 2009, 10, 11, the roads were fine. They weren't yeah. great, but they were fine. Yeah. 2018, it was pothole central. Yeah, right. So, the car that we're going up to, in, the, the bus we're going up into in Van Dien is weaving across the road. Yeah. Like absolutely weaving. And the road is just filled with construction trucks. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're driving so incredibly slow because the road's just been worn completely away. Yeah. But right. no one's repairing it. Yeah. And because all these funds and all these resources are being diverted to the, the railroad. railroad. Yeah. So there is a lot of stuff like that, which is one of the reasons why I like Sifan Don so much. Mm-hmm. So in the South, because it feels like it hasn't been touched by that. Yeah. There are more tourists in Sifan Don. There's more, like, there's some nicer places to stay, which they never had. So they never yeah. had any nice places. We actually stayed. So we were considered really like, bougie because we stayed yeah. in the one nice hotel on on Dondette, which is one of yeah. the islands yeah and by nice hotel it was i think 25 bucks a night sure yeah okay. and it had a shower 
Ooh, with hot water, which so is bougie. which yeah. is not. And the water still came directly from the Mekong, so you're still showering in Mekong water. Yeah, but at least it was warm, right? Yeah, yeah. And we had air conditioning, Ooh. which is a very big luxury because barely Especially any places south, right? Yeah, yeah, so barely any places have it. And so we stayed there, and everyone would be like, "Oh, you're staying there." But this is when we were working as well, so we're like, "Yeah, we're working. We can afford twenty five bucks a night for air conditioning and a shower, yeah, yeah. or hot shower." Um, but yeah, but the South hasn't really seen as much of that. Yeah. Okay, great. All right. So let's, let's get down to brass tacks now, Paul. Yeah. So hypothetically speaking, this is also quite accurate. I have four weeks of leave at work Ooh. at the moment. Now, obviously yep. at the moment I can't go overseas, but let's, let's ignore that aspect and let's really kind of dig into this hypothetical. Should I invest all of my four weeks of leave into Laos or should I use an amount of that and then save some for another trip. So. I do four weeks of that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think there's four weeks of entertainment. Okay. Great. Trip. And there's also, it's very diverse between the North and the South. So you'll yeah. feel like you'll see a lot, even when you are still in the same country. Okay, great. And then, so I'm guessing that, uh, see Fandon, am I saying that right? Yes. That should definitely be on the to-do list. hundred percent. I would, I would dedicate a whole week to it. A whole week there. Okay. Yeah. I, and I would do it at the end okay, of the trip. So up. what, if I was going to do it, I would start, so I'd start in, at the given experience. So up so, north. Yeah. Yep. So you don't have a chance of injuring yourself before you get there. Okay. Like I did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I would, and it, it also depends on your appetite for internal flights because yep. flying in Laos is not particularly safe. Um, okay. But, you know, shit, people do it all the time and I'm sure yep. they're fine. But basically I would start in the north, go to Hue Sai and, and the Bokyo province and go do the given experience. Yeah. Go spend some time in the Wang Kubang, which I haven't really touched on in this episode, mm-hmm. it, it's just very nice food, temples, very beautiful old city. Really, really nice. Yeah. Uh, go to Vang Vien and go see some nature and go do some, go tubing. Why the fuck not? Right. Yeah. Go party with some Koreans. It sounds like fun. Perfect. Yeah. Go down to Vientiane and spend like one night and then get the fuck straight out of there. Yeah. Then there's one thing that I would love to do that we didn't because we got sick. Okay. What's that? It's called the Thakek Loop. Okay. And then what does that mean? <laughs> Can't you guess? No. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> Definitely cannot. So basically, the Thakek, Thakek loop is it's a spot. I feel like you're swearing at me, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. <laughs> so it's halfway between Sifandon and um, and Vientiane. Okay. Yeah. So halfway between the south and the central area. Yeah. It's a incredible motorbike ride. Oh, yeah. And it's just there's all these caves and all these like homestays you can go and do. And so you basically do this really rural, beautiful motorbike ride. And yep. so the loop is like you drive, do this driving loop and there's all these places for you to stay and they're all like traditional homestays essentially. Yeah. And it's meant to be stunning. And also just like riding around the countryside, like farmland and a motorbike is one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. We wanted to do it, but we got, basically we got sick in, um, in Vientiane. Eating a bad lap. Okay. <laughs> We've talked it up, but there are sometimes downsides. Yeah, yeah there was okay. a downside. This, this one was, I, I saw this one come out and I'm like, I knew it was shit. Cause we ordered it. They said they did vegetarian lap. Yeah. And we ordered it and then it came out and water buffalo. Well, it was chicken. I'm pretty okay. sure, but it was like basically their, their equivalent of, um, uh, of vegetarian is just uncooked yep. chicken. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> and it was, you know, it was terrible. It died ethically and we did nothing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. We were going to go do that. Instead, we had to do a overnight bus all the way down to Pakse, which is the kind of stop you get to before you go to see Fandon. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I'd do the Thakek loop and yep. then I'd go down to Pakse and see Fandon and I'd go and spend some time there and then fly home. Okay. And I think that would be, if you did that trip, you would come home being like, 
Shit, I had a good time. Yeah, sorry. And that's, they're about four weeks, is that what we're saying? Yeah, you could easily do it in four weeks. You would yeah. have a, a, there would be a decent amount of transit. Yeah. Some of the transits are actually really fun. So going between Hue Sai and Luang Prabang, you have to do it by boat. Okay. And you go down the Mekong. Oh, you can do it in a slow boat, which takes two days. Yeah. Or you can do it in a speed boat, which is essentially like a giant engine on a, <laughs> on, on, on a bookshelf and you sit in the bookshelf. Yeah. And you fly, they give you a crash helmet because like there's like one boat crashes every year and everyone dies on the boat because they go, they go like 50 k's an hour and you're speeding, man. Do you think the helmet does anything in this scenario? Okay. But I think think if you, if you come out at that pace, I think you're screwed anyway, but you've got the helmet, you know, Sure. Uh, but it was, look, I I laugh about it, but it was one of the funnest things we did. Yeah. So I did it with Tony and Jack, two of our friends. Yeah. And just the experience we had doing it was amazing. Our knees hated us. Sure. A little tip for anyone who wants to do it. The it looks like so basically it looks like a bookshelf in terms of the seats. Yeah. You can but you can pull out the shelves. And so what you can do is you can pull out the shelves and sit front like facing each other rather than like cooked in with your knees up by your ears yeah so i would pull out all the seats and then like yeah 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 yeah, and then cross your legs across people because it's way more comfortable yeah all right and this is this is kind of dawned on me as we've discussed a few things given that there is a direct flight from seoul to vientiane yeah would you consider a a double trip or a two destination trip from say from sydney or from wherever it might be to both laos and south korea no. Okay. I would do I do a double to Thailand. Yeah. And like what I would do if it was me going right now. Yeah. I would go to Bangkok, then I'd go to Ubon Ratchathani, which North is North of Thailand. That is in the east. Okay. So I'd go to the east and then I'd go into Sifandon. Because yeah. from Ubon to um Sifandon is like a few hours. It's yeah. not really that long at all. Um so I'd go and do that border crossing and yeah, I would do Bangkok and do a bit of Thailand and then do a bit of Laos. Yeah. Doing Korea as well. I feel like it's just a bit, bit of a weird trip and yeah, yeah I probably wouldn't do it. Yeah. You know? Cause also as well, the things that you need for going to Laos are going to Korea are very different to the things you need to go, go for Laos. It's a very good point. Very so practical. You, yeah. So you'd be packing a really weird pack, but yeah. I guess if you wanted to do it. Yeah. Also as well, I feel like if you only have, a limited amount of time you really have to choose between i'm going to go up north and go to the bokio province and go to vangian and lang prabang yeah or i'm going to go down south because you'll lose a lot of time in transit yeah and i really i would probably go down south mm-hmm. but i'd rather just do spend that whole time in laos you know yeah great all right so i think paul that brings us to our travel legends segment do you have one for us i'm going to go with yeah i've got one i don't remember his name Someone um, from Laos or... Yes. Okay. But perfect. he's Slovakian. Ooh. Him and his wife, I should say. Well, you were but saying that obviously you met a lot of people in Laos from around the world. Yes. Yeah. So, this guy, really interesting dude. He essentially just worked in a um, in a Lao restaurant. Yeah. He lived upstairs with the family. Like yeah. He, they, they, like him and his wife both lived with the family. So, they had... It was like a three-story wooden old colonial kind of like house on stilts. Yeah. They lived in the very top floor, then the family lived below them, and then below them was the restaurant. Okay. Yeah. I think I've got it. Yeah, yeah. And we we basically just became friends with him because, you know, we went to the restaurant a lot and it was just really nice. And, mm-hmm. you know, we hang we hung out with this guy heaps and he taught us a lot about Lao culture that we didn't already know. And we've spent a lot of time there, you know. Yeah. Um, and he was just super friendly and they had incre- like a really, really good food. And mm-hmm. you know, for us as well, because we've been traveling for a, a while. They they would do really good fruit muesli and yogurt. 
okay. which is a weird thing to obviously have in Laos. But yes. for us at the time, it was fucking perfect. And so they did an amazing one of those. And every time they'd make it, it'd be awesome. And the guy would come out and he, you know, when some, you know, when like a waiter comes out yeah. and they know how awesome the food is they're giving you. Yeah. That's every time he'd come out, he'd look at us. He had this mad goatee. He'd look at us and put the food on our table and you could just see the goatee like twitching. It's like, because uh, he just knew how good it was. But he was, just, he was a legend, man. We spent a lot of really nice time with him. So he would be my travel legend. Can't remember his name though. Slovakian bloke. Slovakian. Yeah. yeah. Works in, uh, works in, um, Seafound Don at a restaurant. Yeah. Fabulous. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I might, I might follow this trend and go yes. with some, uh, Travel legends whose names I can't oh, remember. Oh no, are we bad people? Uh, we're we're horrible people. Oh, I think we're, I think that's been it's been very well established. Yeah. Um, so I was definitely reminded of this these travel legends, given the the fact that you were saying that when you went to Laos, you ended up kind of meeting up with a lot of people and staying with them, and also them staying with you. Yeah. Um, Oh, I'm, I always feel like I'm going to do an edit in a later podcast to recognize yeah, these two yeah. individuals. But um, we can edit this part podcast too, you know. <laughs> very true, very true. So I might have to do some some kind of post podcast research to yeah, get, yeah, get the you names got this. right. I believe in you. I believe in you. Um, so when I was in Nicaragua, uh, I happened to run into these this group of Canadians, um, and so we ended up kind of doing uh, a little bit of like a couple of days of like surfing together. Really fun. Really cool. And so they were, they were like, oh, like, you know, let, let us know when you're going to be in Toronto. Like, that's where we live. And I was like, I can let you know right now because I've already, already know when I'm going to be in Toronto. Cause, yeah. uh, shortly after that, I was going up to the US to work on a summer camp and I had to have like my ticket out of the US, which I was going to Toronto. Um, so I had to like have that before I entered the US. So I was like, I'm going to be in Toronto on this date. And they were like, great. Like, hit us up, free accommodation. And I was like, oh. Thank you so much. So basically like three months, oh, probably four months later after doing like a bit more of Central America than the summer camp and stuff like that, hit, hit them up in Toronto. Like we spent like 36 hours together. And yeah. next thing I know, like I'm staying at their place for like five straight days and you kind of like the, the, the hours and the numbers don't really match up. But obviously like when you meet someone when you're traveling, like those kind of things, like they just become irrelevant. Like you just yeah. like, we had a really fucking cool 36 hours together. I feel like we could... You cram a lot into those 36 you hours. You do, yeah. Absolutely. And so then stayed in their place in Toronto, really cool. And then it was also sick because then you get all these like recommendations like, oh, like this little neighborhood's really cool. And especially in a city like Toronto, which in some regards probably isn't too different, similar to Sydney where you're kind of like, obviously here's the center of town, but like, if you know, without knowing the city super well, you wouldn't know like the cool areas to yeah. hang out with. Yeah, Sydney is a bit weird like that as well. And I imagine that coming here as a tourist, you'll end up going to the same places that kind of suck. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so like getting kind of that insight as well was awesome. And then like, yeah, just having that local knowledge and then being like, no, this is the restaurant you should go to. Because I imagine coming to Sydney as a tourist, you would, unless you had all the dollars, like yeah. you'd go to the wrong restaurants oh, pretty you easily. you definitely would. And then you go to the wrong restaurant and then meals are so important when you travel and you spend too much money and then you'd just be really disappointed. Yeah. And then 100%. you'd be like, oh, I'm going to go get a beer to make me feel better and the beer's $14. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, it just sounds like Sydney and I feel like, <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so I think I'll also do some research post and find okay. out. Okay. We'll shout it out. We'll shout it out in the next episode. Let's do that. Yeah. Which, we might as well uh, we might as well say that's going to do it for that episode this episode of We'd Rather Be Travelling well you can find us on the multiple podcast platforms that host our podcast but Spotify being the most popular of them of course is iTunes uh, and then also on our social medias at WRB Travelling so that's on Instagram and on Twitter we'll see you next time <laughs>